Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Welcome. We thank you for joining us as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And believe it or not, we have five more broadcasts. They're Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. I hope that you will take advantage of all nine of the programs we're podcasting them as well on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, and a whole bunch of other locations. But we're also on YouTube. I'm thankful there's only one right now, only one video platform I'm posting to. YouTube, where you can subscribe even to the podcasts. I hope you will. And then click notification so that when a new conversation is posted, you'll be notified and you can uh, tune into that conversation like the one we're going to have today with our very special guest. But first, uh, let me just remind you, too, of those times that I mentioned earlier. We're streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. If you can support the work we're doing financially, you'd like to be a part of it, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And then we ask that you spend some time going within and listening to that still small voice during this, the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. Our special guest today, um, I actually saw one of her relatives, actually her sibling, her sister on TV just the other night. And uh, we're not here to talk about her, but at least to make the reference that we have on the program today, a woman by the name of Rosalind Kind, and she happens to be the sister of uh, Barbara Streisand. And I want to welcome you to our program. Thank you, Richard. Lovely to be here with you. That's the only time I'm going to name drop on this program, other than okay. yours. Other than yours, and that's not to not to slight her by any means. But I don't but, think you can slight her. <laughs> I have to say that she and many, uh, I, well, you probably know what I'm referring to the the SAG Awards, um, and even when I was watching, I think it was the the Golden Globes or something. It's like. Did any any men win any awards? I, I I didn't see any guy. You know, I know there were some, but it's like, it's like the age of the woman has come. It's like, do you really need the ERA? Uh, you've got, last. <laughs> you have always you have always had the power. I was born and raised with four sisters and a mother, one brother and a father. You can see we were outnumbered, but I learned. Yes, I learned a lot. Uh, I'm hoping to learn a lot from you as well. In regards to the music, you're you're debuting new music uh, that is available right now. And one in particular, a particular video we're going to be able to see on YouTube here, not only directly on YouTube, but in this program on YouTube, our video cast, the, lo- the Look of Love and the Island. And um, I, I, I do have to say that <clears throat> I'm going to put it in this context. Your voice is definitely the family voice. Okay. In a I, different in different range, though. Yes, that is true. Different range. Because our mother sang too, and she was the soprano. Wow. Not professionally, but she had a gorgeous soprano voice, our mother. So uh, so help me out. And then here my now. sister, and then I come. <laughs> and then now I was in a quartet, and I know there's the bass, the baritone, the tenor. Uh, the bass, the baritone. Why can't I remember the other two parts? In any event, uh, did you have a, a, a what is it, a, a trio there? You, your mother, and your sister. Uh, maybe your father kicked in there. No, none of the men. None of the men in the family sang. Oh, until my nephew now. 
my nephew. <laughs> but no, my brother didn't, my father didn't, my sister's father didn't, that wasn't their thing. Came out in the women, but it did come from our maternal grandfather. Oh, really? Originally, yeah, when he was in, uh, he was practiced as a uh, chazan in uh, Russia before they emigrated here, a cantor. And so he how... passed his voice down to our mother and she passed it on down. So music has not only just been an integral part of your life and your family's life, at least on the female side, <laughs> but but it seems to me, as was shared with me by my parents, they made sure that we were introduced to all different kinds of music. They allowed us to play instruments, to sing. Uh, I mean, we used to go caroling in our neighborhood at Christmas time. It was fabulous. I miss that. What uh -huh. about you? Obviously, music is important to you today. But was it as as a as a girl growing up? Uh, what in Brooklyn, right? In Brooklyn, yeah. Well, you know, I was I first started to sing when I was like four or five years old. And I would listen to television series like Davy Crockett, and I would sing, "Davy, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier," you know, and the, all the other television shows that I would sing with as a kid. Mm. When I got a little older, I was in Hebrew school and I sang the Hebrew songs and then, you know, the songs of, uh, as I got older, um, was the music from movies that I saw and from theater that I became acquainted with. And so I would come home and act out all the parts in the mirror, the men and the women. I used wow. to love to do that or create a dance. So let's say the music of Exodus. I spent a lot of alone time in my pretend world. I would take television series that I liked a lot and put myself in the script and act, make believe and act them out, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, I, uh, I discovered that early and there was, you know, music in the house, but it wasn't, my, it wasn't that my mother took us around. I think my sister made her own discoveries and I got influenced because I got to learn about her genre of music aside from my era, which was, you know, Motown and the English invasion. That mm. was my big era. Wow. Um, um, when I was watching television as a kid, uh -huh. on Sundays, they would be playing, they, they would have, uh, I don't know, sometimes a series. This was when we only had three channels, mind you. Uh, they were playing movies. And most of the time they were musicals. And at first I was a little kid kind of bored, like, oh God, here we go again. But as the more, every Sunday that rolled by and I watched more and more of them, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be cool if this was the way the world really was, where every once in a while you'd just break out in song? <laughs> where once in a while there should be the happiness and the complete fulfillment where people want to. <laughs> you know, I mean, coming from your heart, you know, we need uplifting. And music is definitely one way to get there. Now, when I ask my questions, it may sound uh, um, like, why didn't you know that, Richard? But I'm going to ask the question anyway, because a lot of our listeners don't know. Do you write all of the music that you sing, or are you also snagging music from other songwriters, classics, et cetera, et cetera? Is there a particular genre for you? Uh, I sing across the boards. I do theater pieces. I do pop. I do comedy. I do some soft kind of rock in my own way. I can do a little bassa, um, a little bit of Latin beat, um, a little jazz, because as a, a cabaret and a stage performer in concert, I cover the, all those areas. Um, 
as far as uh, what was the, so the other question was like, oh yeah, I've only written one song. Okay. So I have most of my songs have either been originally written for me or covers. So you have you don't necessarily have the quote unquote song song writing. Um, I want to be nice here because I've only written two songs. I'm 63 and, you know, uh, so, but you don't have that ability, capacity, interest. I, I, when I got into the new age and my whole being, my purpose for being here is to heal. Mm -hmm. Beginnings of that with my search for myself, my search for my purpose and one of those things included writing of this song for me mm -hmm. called The Light of Love, uh, which was very important to me because it's like learning to love yourself, learning to take the chances, but learning to love others as well. It's just, I had to, you know, I just, in 1984, I had a regression. And during that regression, it took me back to a lifetime where I was a man. I was in, I believe, Lemuria. I had a turban and pantaloons and I lived in a stone hut. Wow. And I was at the moment where I came back into that lifetime, I was dueling with another guy over the love, the woman we both loved. And she accidentally is the one that got hurt and died. Mm -hmm. And supposedly through this thing, I have been searching for that one love to every lifetime I've come back. Mm -hmm. But in my word, my word associations for that, um, for that period, it wasn't one on one love. It was one with the world, world, unity, harmony, love, peace. Mm -hmm. And that was the day that I learned my purpose of being here. And that changed my whole way of thinking and my whole path for me. Mm -hmm. uh, now it was my purpose to find healing through my voice with music to uplift and to bring hearts together. Whether, you know, it could be it can be commercial pieces, but I find a meaning in it that relates to that message. Now, I am not going to make assumptions either. Uh, and that is that you were you were born and raised in the Jewish faith, correct? Yeah, correct. And I'm still Jewish. And you're still <laughs> Jewish. But it no, sounds to me. I'm also a child of the universe. I, I was kind of going there. No less than the trees and the stars, you have a right to be here. And whether it is clear to you, never mind. Now, Desert Arata, <laughs> you remember, you remember that, right? No, no I just, I'm, I'm a child of the universe. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe, you know, sometimes I call myself a more aware Jewess. <laughs> um, uh, because I've delved into, you know, when I was lost in my life, mm -hmm. when my career was going up and down and side to side. It's never been just a one track thing where it just skyrocketed, no. I'm still learning and growing with every day that passes by. And yeah. um, so basically, um, I just lost my train of thought. I was going somewhere with this. <laughs> well, and I was kind of leading, wanting to lead into the fact that, yes, you are still, if I'm correct on the term, a Jewish. Yes, but I, just I do believe in, in things beyond. I believe the, I believe there are aliens. I have had out-of-body experiences when I was heavy, heavy into meditation. Mm -hmm. So you've expanded your uh, Jewish experience, if you will. And I have to tell you that some of my favorite interviews that I've had over the years have been with rabbis, both male and female rabbis. I know little, 
Uh, uh, but I do know that they study. I mean, it's unbelievable the level of study that they go through. Oh, yes. But there is this, and maybe this is not as correct, an undercurrent. It's more than that, I think, of just incredible insight and wisdom that comes out in the conversations that I've had. Um, one in particular had written a book in regards to what will they say about you when you're gone? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious as to, you know, you talked about in, what did you say, 84, you had a, a past life regression past experience. Life regression. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there any kind of desire on your part to, let's say just through, through this particular piece of music that we're, we're talking about here today, the look of love, the island and the islands, uh, leaving a lasting legacy. Is that, is that ever in your mind or is it, I am here just to fulfill my purpose and however that's, however that's received is how it's received. I am here to share a message and I ask every time I go on stage even for the Lord to use me as a vessel to, to share his message of love and light. And if there's anybody in the audience at that moment in time that really needs to hear that message, let them receive it. Mm. And I, I have a little some kind of empathy that goes on inside me too. So I, I see somebody that's not happy or something. I sing more at that person to make, I want to get a smile. I want to get them to feel good. You know, because yeah, everyday life is drudgery sometimes. Sometimes it's not, and you know, we go, we all step backwards once in a while. You try to go forward, God willing. Yeah. And sometimes it's a step backwards and you need a little push. You need a little encouragement. You need a little love behind you to make that leap. I would say that it sounds like in addition to having that behind you with both your siblings, your, your parents, your ancestors, shall we say, I mean, I, I'm getting more and more into that because <clears throat> unfortunately I am gaining ancestors. Uh, as I get older, I've, as I mentioned before, I think I mentioned before my father, he passed away March 1st of last year. My sister, March 29th of the year before, my best friend of 53 years, May 1st of last year. I call on them or talk to them or listen for my father's impressions. I don't hear him per se, but I get these impressions. Or when I'm trying to build myself up a little bit, you know, encourage self-encouragement, mm -hmm. words are coming out and I'm going, where did that come from? And I'm thinking, uh, it's my dad. Yeah. Do you find that both the people that the people around you, both in this world and outside this world are not just rooting for you, but they're working for you and or with you to achieve your life's purpose? Do you call on them? Yes. No, I talk to my mom all the time. I lost my mom in 2002. Mm. And I talk to her all the time. And I, I've, I've been, matter of fact, she appeared, her ghost appeared when I was singing in Sedona several oh, years ago. Wow. And my friend was there. And before I went on outside to sing, I was in the back room. She, I opened the, she knocked on the door. She, I, the door, I opened the door and she snapped a picture of me. And when she developed that picture in her phone, when it came out, there was a shadow of a woman. Mm. And she like, oh, my God. And my friend Barry, who lives in Sedona, also would take it back. That's Diana. And then I, I had a conversation with another friend of my friend Barry in Sedona, who also was enlightened and did new moon 
um, meditations and everything. She was sitting in my suite talking to me, but she was looking over here. Mm. She saw my mom. Wow. So wow. I've been told my mom is always around me. I've had out-of-body experiences with my mom and my father. Wow. Um, and wow. you can hear, but I even had a go-around with some aliens, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we'll talk about that in a little but bit, too. I'm, I'm a, People will I'm, tell you I'm a sugar nut, but, you know, it depends how much you... At that time, I was so heavy into meditation and so open to find truths, to find answers. You know, and, yeah. and my experience with that was very positive. Mm. We're talking with Rosalind Kind, and uh, we're talking... Uh, about, well, obviously her life and her experiences, but also a new piece of uh, music, uh, actually a couple of pieces and a video that's available on YouTube, The Look of Love and The Island. And I want to talk more about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. It's really a pleasure to have Rosalind Kine with us here on the program to talk about the work that she is doing. You've got, uh, you have um, uh, a lot of music that you released and maybe because we all had the time during the pandemic, you have a whole lot of uh, material you have produced as well as released songs like, uh, well, I've got a list here called uh, Save the Country, Light of Love, It uh, It Only Takes a Moment, Kiss Me Now. Uh, That's a and, medley. I'm sorry? That's a medley. It only, that it only takes a moment, moment, Kiss Her Now. It's a Jerry Herman medley from two of his shows. Well, this particular piece called The Look of Love and the Island uh, were released around that Valentine's Day 2024, and they're still available, still out there. And uh, I would like to talk to you a little bit about this aspect of uh, these songs and obviously the video. I don't want to leave that out because that's uh, the visuals can can really um, can really deliver even more. Uh, and I still remember what um, it was the the Oscar winners a few years back of the, uh, both the uh, sound editing and um, I forget what the other category was. And they basically did sum it up. I think pretty accurately as good as the visual effects, the cinematography and all that. If you didn't have the sounds, not just the voices, but all the sound effects and all of that stuff, you would not have had the same experience as you did have in the theater with whatever the movie was, whether it was King Kong or, or star Wars or, uh, you know, any of the other, uh, uh, fast and furious, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, the sounds make a big difference, but the mm -hmm. visuals can also have a great impact. Let me ask in terms of the song and then creating the video, which by the way, you also, uh, was this your, this was your first time producing. Something producing live, producing live. I produced my previous videos with my record producer, but we right. did stock footage that we found online to create the storyline for the song. This one was this one is really a six minute mini movie, and I created the scenario, the story that I that I saw in it for when I sing it. So, so it was sort of like, okay, we have this six minute play we're going to do, and we're going to video it straight through kind of thing and not doing takes here and there and then uh, slicing it together or 
did you sit in the in the end editing room and and uh, we were in the ed- no, we did we shot for four days we had four locations mm. and we figured out the shots i had a fabulous director a fabulous cinematographer my co-producer i'm talking about monique and palliazzo malacana and justin nodal great team mm. great great team and all everybody that worked with us was couldn't have been more beautiful like coming from their hearts and their mm. light just being thrilled to be there and create and be part of this process. So it was a joyous, it was a joyous time. Uh, but we were in the editing room also. Yeah, no, we had to edit it. Yeah. It makes it sense. Was- and I have a concert part too that I'm probably going to put out as well, where it's just me singing the whole song in the concert. So did you, did you feel at all like you, because you said you've, you've produced your videos before. Uh, was this outside your comfort zone? I had never, I, you know what? I didn't. I was afraid of what I would look like on camera. I don't. You know, it's 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 weird, and I just never thought about it. And originally, when I thought about this, I thought I wasn't going to put myself in it so much. Mm. But it needed. It, if I'm going to be in it, I have to be in it. You know, and um, and I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. I needed that for myself, and uh, and I it, it brought me such joy to yeah. be part of the, the cast and the, you know the crew not just sitting behind the scenes um and it was you know it was my song because i put the song together this way years ago i used to do the look of love on its own in shows and in other shows do the island apart from each other and one day when i was putting together another tour i said i wonder what these two songs would sound like together so we noodled around and figured it out and it worked out so well that I did it when I just worked with piano. I did it with trio, but I really wanted it fully orchestrated. And when that came to be, I had to make a video. And everybody said to me, Razi, you have to be in your video. People want to see you in your video. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't have that much of, I think that much of my, not myself, but uh, I never thought that I had to be in the video, but it's true. People want to see you. Yeah. And, and so this was my first, my first time that I did that. I, 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 I sometimes I don't I don't do it very often, but every once in a while I usually listen to the podcasts of of some of the interviews that I do. Uh, I've rarely, if ever, gone to the YouTube and watched an interview with me and the guest. Um, yeah. You know, I, I may uh, I may I may change the, the 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 parameters on the screen and cover one half, you know, kind of thing. I it's like, OK, I know what I look like. Thank you. I'm not ashamed <laughs> of how I look, but it's just, you know, I, I kind of feel like uh, the process of talking with people, having a conversation. Yeah, there, there's two people conversing, such as you and I right now. But the listener or viewer has already heard for the last who knows, 20, 30, maybe 40 years that I've been interviewing pretty much everything I have to say, <laughs> you know, and I, I, and sometimes I can look at a wave and I can say, okay, the guest did get at least 50 plus 1% of the time. I can see that. Okay. So that's not bad. It should be 75, 25, but it's a conversation and no conversation is ever that balanced in that respect. But when you are producing something like what you're producing, music videos or, again, recordings the, and so forth, um, there's that it's you. 
It has to be you. Uh, I have two side, two parts of that that I'd like to pursue. Number one is the technology uh, in terms of how it has changed over the decades that you have been involved in recording. I mean, I go back to 79 when we were still using what they called reel-to-reels, cassettes, mm-hmm. cart decks, vinyl. Right. Uh, and then about 10, 15 years later, we got into digital uh, and so forth. And it's changed ever since and so forth. What about you in terms of, did that make any difference whatsoever to you in terms of the your purpose in creating music for healing? I believe, well, first of all, when I came out into the show business, it was in the late 60s. So we had the reel to reel. I think at that time we already had 24 tracks. Yeah. Now it's like countless. It's countless and mostly everything is digital. Yeah. Um, it's easier, I think, to do it digitally than it was in the days of reel to reel, even though you had so many multi tracks and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be a quicker process. Um, the so- the sound is 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 as lush, as lush. Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that now it's just me and my producer producing rather than a whole bunch of people behind a glass and you're alone in a dark room singing. Right. <laughs> or, you know, cause I, I always, my, the orchestra was always done also in parts. And so by the time I did my singing, I never, I never was able to sing live when I was recording with the orchestra. They didn't do it that way. But you performed live with an orchestra. I performed live with an orchestra, yeah. And I've, I've performed with symphony. I've performed with 26 pieces, 10 pieces, 12 pieces, three pieces, just piano. Every every way, every which way. Is there a particular way that you like to? You like to have the orchestra live with you as opposed to already tracked? Yeah, and- yeah I much prefer a live than singing to track. Yeah. You know, but um, it, it's... It's just really, really very interesting. Um, a lot of people prefer the track. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't sing the song the same way twice. Who does? You know, <laughs> you know, there's some people that just are always in meter and they stick to that. Depending where I am at that moment in time that I'm performing that piece, depending, could depend on the audience or whatever, their reaction. Mm-hmm. It's where I am mentally in that moment and where my heart is at it can have a little different reading. Mm-hmm. Well, I've so, noticed that too with the live recordings of uh, some of my favorite artists, like uh, uh, they all happen to be male, although I really enjoyed when I was introduced to Sarah McLaughlin uh, and so forth and Lilith Fair back in, uh, God, when was that? The late 90s, something like that. Anyway, uh, John Denver, Harry Chapin, Dan Fogelberg, and how when I would listen to the live versus the album, tracks how they switch things up a little bit every so often yeah what about in terms of what's in the music it has been said that today's music whatever that means does not have the fullness that it did 20 or 30 even 40 years ago and what they're referring to is the orchestration i mean who would have ever thought that groups, the rock and roll groups of the 70s in particular, would have incorporated orchestras 
uh, one, one, I know it's not so much a group as much as it is a release of, uh, I have it on cassette, believe it or not, of Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, that's mm -hmm. a rock opera. But right. there's incredible instrumentation in there. Right. That's the fullness that they're talking about that is kind of missing yeah. from today's music and the loss of people like yeah, Tony Bennett in particular. What are your thoughts? I feel that, um, you know, because in my era too, you had, you know, the, the English invasion, you had Motown, you know, Motown had more orchestration. Yes. Than, um, yeah. Then like when the Beatles came out, it was the four of them. There wasn't anything, you know, you didn't have strings or anything like that. So I always thought of it show business as two separate things because here you had what you call the classical, but I don't mean like classical meaning, you know, or um, symphony, but yeah. classic pop, mm -hmm. classic right. theater pieces that were mm -hmm. fully orchestrated. And then you had the rock bands or you know, some that were less. And some of them, then when they incorporated the synth to do a lot of the sounds, it was a whole other thing. I remember uh, there was one time I was in New Jersey at uh, in Atlantic City, and I also came in with just six pieces. One of them was a synth. Mm. Covered a lot of sound. And mm -hmm. that really did a lot. But, you know, you can do a lot with synth. Yeah. Because you would never know that a lot of my recordings, some of my recordings are programmed. Wow. And, and you, I mean, I love, and I love the oboe and I love the strings and the French horns. I uh, mean, it's like, I always have to have, you know, um, yeah. because years ago when I played Las Vegas, Joe Gershio, who was the, um, who booked all the orchestras for the Hilton hotels. He said to me, you need to sing with just strings. And I always wanted to have just a string orchestra. I haven't done that yet. Because when I started out, you had the brass and you had the woodwinds and you had, mm -hmm. you know, your, your, your center guys. I mean, it really is amazing when there's strings. The heart, the strings bring the heart, the cry, yeah. the oboe brings that cry. That I my, favorite, my favorite string is the cello. Oh, the cello is great. Oh. Ah, you love that because on the look of Love in the Island, we have a cello. Mm -hmm. My sister, uh, my late sister, eldest uh, and I, I still say it this way. Uh, why would anybody who has asthma choose to play the French horn? <laughs> but she did. And she was so good that she actually back in the 20 teens, early 20 teens, she was first chair, first or second chair in the Scottsdale Symphony Orchestra. Ah. Yeah. Um amazing amazing sound the french horn uh when we were growing up lungs? did it help open i think that was part of the therapy is as a matter yeah. of fact he loved the horn yeah but uh, i think it did help Again, and I have, healing, healing. Yeah. oh yeah it, a bit, it has that same kind of kind of feeling as as does the cello when i hear it um I mean, I love it, for example, uh, in, in some of, well, again, my favorite artist, Harry Chapin, when he uses it as a, an anchor point in, in some of the songs. Um, we're talking with um, Rosalind Kind. We're talking about a couple of pieces of music, videos, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. We're talking about, of course, uh, a couple of songs, uh, The Look of Love and The Island. And we're going to talk more about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story.
Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking with uh, Rosalind Kind. Rosalind, I want to ask you about something that uh, is, sort of diverts a little bit from music, but is is extremely important. As I said, I, I was in a, a household with five females, three males, uh, but there was never any animosity. There was never any trying to control because they had the majority or anything of this nature. We, we actually managed to get out of a 1,300 square foot, three bedroom 
one bathroom home alive. Um, <laughs> but I learned, as I said, a lot from them. And what I'm noticing now, and I don't know if this has anything to do with uh, what's been called the Me Too movement or not. All I know is that I've often been so perplexed by some of the weirdness in different industries and arenas and so forth when it comes to the disparities between male and female um, treatment, if you will. But you're a part of an organization. You're the me you're a member of the Sea Angels, Women oh, Supporting she, Women. Sea Angels. Is it say Sea oh, Angels? Well, women there, for women. women there be women. there be a typo here, so I'll fix that right there. <laughs> uh, she Angels. Uh, yes. And uh, let's change that to an E. She Angels, and it's uh, Women Supporting Women by um, awarding grants uh, to uh, grassroots female-funded nonprofit organizations that provide mentoring, funding, and resources to a diverse portfolio of uh, women and girls' causes. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about and about where we are today. I mean, you're you're involved on a spiritual level in the universe. Okay. And we've had conversations about the disparities, especially in business. How is it that a man is getting paid more than a woman for the same job? There's something really, really wrong there. I don't understand it, but we're talking about more than that. And then the conversation shifts over to, well, you know, and, and women are probably they're they're working to try to take over. It's like, yeah, that's and what it is. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not what right. I'm hearing from the women. I'm hearing the women saying, we don't want to take over. We want equality and equity equality. in the But process. the men are fearing that. The men are fearing that that's what yeah. we want. Yeah. That fear, again, it's like, you know, fear, spreading fear, which is why we have darkness now in the, in the world. The fear of spreading fear that people won't have, people will lose power. People, if people just came from their hearts and from their light to go back to the light, go inside and find that light that you were given when you were born, that it's a part of God that you brought with you into your being. If you would just work with that and forget, you know, the, uh, the power struggle and the money struggle, and really, you know, you came to be a loving light that would create the equality because there should be, you know, none of that in any area. Everybody should have opportunity. Everybody should have the right to advance. And everybody whose brain and heart is in the right area should evolve and come to make this, this whole world a better place. Yeah. But let me ask you that words are important uh, because words are important and people choose the words they use for a reason. Regardless of what the reason is, they choose the words they use for a reason. And in this highly charged political uh, era that we live in, and I, when I say era, I'm talking like the last 20 or 30 years, uh, they're choosing words because they want that particular office. And they'll say whatever it takes to get that. So that's the intent. It's not, as I've been told, Richard, you're so naive. You're, you're so naive. It's just politics. And I say, no, it's not. The words they are using they are using for a reason. So when you talk, as I do, I do, I say this all the time, how we're looking for those new ways of living because the old ways don't work because we're wanting to make this place a better place for everybody. 
What do you see and or mean when you use the word better? That all of us come together with our hearts and with our light to create a world where there is acceptance and compassion and opportunity for all. That nobody is less than the next person. You, this guy may be making a lot more money, but his value still, the little guy who's, who has a trade, who's not making as much, but comes from his heart and puts love in his work, to me is as valuable, if not more so. And I just think that if the world came to operate from that place of heart, we would have equality. You wouldn't have all of this fear-mongering and, you know, accept what may look different to you. Try to get to know it and understand it and accept it and, and, and cherish it and be grateful for what you have that's similar, but embrace what's different. Mm-hmm. We all learn from each other. We all grow from each other. Mm. We're talking with uh, Rosalind Kind, and we're talking, of course, about the look of love and the island. Can see us 
us about the story behind the look of love. It has been said that uh, from what I, what research I've done on uh, on copyrights, you cannot copyright titles of songs, shows, books, etc. There is a song called "The Look of Love." I'm, it's a female artist that's ringing in my ear right now, but I can't place the artist. Um, this is something different. It, it, it from song with the, the same song title? from the sixties or seventies. Yes, that, it's not a. This is Burt Backrack. That Burt. Okay. Those, yeah, so the this same, is it's the same one. The same. It is the same one. It's not a. a okay. No, I said I. I do covers. The island is also a cover. Okay. That I put that I did separately in their own light, and then brought them two together and created a, a story okay. in the video. So when you chose this particular song, how many other songs did you go through to decide that? Or was this one that has been waiting in the wings? This one was waiting in the wings for the video because I had the finished product during COVID. So um, basically it was waiting for the video. I don't, you know, today you have to have a video if you're going to have a a song out. And... um, and I, I have a habit of taking songs, I, you know, lyrics are very important to me. Mm-hmm. And they mean different things to different people. Right. And I had a scenario for this song about finding, you know, I attribute it because I'm an older woman now. Um, and I talk to women and there are a lot of women who don't think they can find love mm. after a certain age. And so what I wanted to stress in this in this piece was that you can find love or refind what you had years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be open. Don't be afraid. Let it in. But there and are the, all kinds of love. Right. And that's the other part of my song. Subliminally, <laughs> by the people that are in my cafe, the cafe that I'm in, is that love is love is love. Everybody has a right to love who they want. Nobody should put a a halt on any of that. I would put a halt on any kind of hate, but not love. Yeah. Because love serves to advance goodness and the right things, not hatred and fear. Yeah. I, I, I have often said to others who are concerned about who they have certain feelings for. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have feelings for so-and-so or, or thus and such. Uh, I should, uh, I should only have feelings for, um, you know, certain, the the right, the right person. Maybe it's the right sex or the right age or the right race or the right religion, etc., etc. And I say, I'm sorry, but you can't control who you love. You are drawn to whoever it is you're drawn to, right? Right. And aside from that, I will say that even in the temple that I went to, my rabbi, in the sanctuary, it said, this sanctuary is for everybody. Mm. Everybody was welcome there. That was one of the things that I found so saddening when I was working uh, back in the 80s and early 90s for a Christian radio station. 
And they wouldn't let certain people into the churches. And I'm going, but wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. The people you're not letting in are the very people Jesus was there for, mm -hmm. was there to minister to. And you're turning them away. Uh, yeah. Are you, are you, uh, and I, I see, I see what you refer to as the darkness in the world. I, I see that. I get it. But are you seeing, are you seeing a glimmer of light that is starting to show up a little bit more, maybe each day or week or month? I'll tell you what, I, I see more people with light because even in my life, in the last month, or you know, I'm attracting more people who are coming from the same place that I am. People mm -hmm. who want the betterment, who want equality, who love and extend love to the next person, that have an open heart for others. Um, so I see that happening. But I also feel that there's a bunch of closed-mindedness where people won't accept and open up mm -hmm. and even consider the fact that we all have the same color blood. We all came from the creator. We're all his children and we all want the same opportunities in life. Why would you deny the next person what you're not denied? Why? Don't they have a right to have a full life? Hmm. I, I have thought, and I was just a little kid when I thought what you just said that we all have the same color blood mm -hmm. unless of course maybe you're an alien and, <laughs> and, and maybe it's purple or blue i don't know uh that's another subject that i i guess we'll we're going to dive into that for just for a few moments here uh, my wife made a very profound statement some years ago that i have shared with our listeners uh we were having this conversation and she said that she does not believe that we are indigenous to this planet and used the following as the example. You have iguanas and polar bears and iguanas occupy, we'll just say for the sake of argument, around the equator and maybe parts north and south. You don't see any polar bears there, but you do see them up where it's cold. You uh, you have different animals that thrive in the jungle mm -hmm. versus the desert versus the ocean, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And you could subdivide that as much as you want. Man is the only creature on the planet that requires some kind of structure that they have to construct and this is out of choice more than anything else, uh, in order to survive the elements, to withstand the elements, um, feels compelled to plow up the ground in order to grow the food that it needs to eat instead of eating what's being grown by nature, and, um, and so forth. And so that says to her, and even to me, we are not indigenous to this planet. We were put here. And that leads me then, of course, to dive into the realm that you have uh, brought up, 
that I also do not believe that we are the only ones in the universe. I don't either. Because we had to have been put here by someone or something. What was it that clued you in to the fact that we are not alone? Just all of my reading and all of my research after my regression in 1984. Mm. I also, you know, as we can speak to our loved ones who are not here that you can't see, but you know they're around you. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's the now, same thing. You said that you did have some experiences uh, in reference to... Uh, what, uh, both aliens uh, and, and so forth? An alien, I had an out-of-body experience. Um, an alien took me for a trip around. I can, and I can't even remember what they said to me or whatever. And I came back, but it was a very positive experience. It was like the same type of out-of-body that I had when my father visited me. And my mother came into my bed, basically to let me, I felt the bed go down. Hmm. Um. But it was during a very heavy time of meditation. I don't think it just happens, you know. I don't. It just was my meditating that opened me up to receive. And I just, I somehow, maybe there's a message there somewhere. But I don't think just like you know, we've had lifetimes, but we never remember in this lifetime what we had in the last lifetime because probably our brains couldn't handle it mm. to remember the previous lifetime, you know to come here with it. And yet you see children who have, who have mastered an instrument or some kind of knowledge that you're saying they've been here before. They're an old soul. Hmm. You know, now, the, now I, the universe. I, I've heard that phrase before. I've even used it before in the context more of, I, I've been here before, but I've never been here before. Uh, more in terms of deja vu. What are your thinkings in my, that regard of, my, of, I don't know if it's referred to, if you want to use astral travel or what have you, or what, what is your explanation for, I've been here before, but I've never been here before. I've never been here before, obviously, in this lifetime. I recognize that fact. Mm -hmm. But because I have an open mind and because of my reading and because of my own research for myself, uh, I know that I've been here in past lives. I know that I'm an old soul. Mm. Um, and I'm still learning. I'm still growing in this lifetime. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I know I've been fed messages, but hopefully they're given fed to me for when the time I need to use them. I'm not aware of them. Mm -hmm. But it's like a certain certainty you have. or Like you say, a deja vu, you recognize somebody across a room. They may have been with you in another lifetime in another role. Mm. The mother might have been a cousin or a stranger. You know what I mean? We recognize souls. We don't recognize what we look like now. We recognize the soul, soul recognition. Here's a question for you in reference to a, certainly your incredibly expansive uh, body of work, both uh, television, movies, theater. Um, music and we've sort of talked about this on numerous occasions I'm always curious as to what people think when talking about success and failure both words I'm trying to remove from my vocabulary 
and uh, change those to life experiences. But your journey. Yeah, exactly. But when talking with people in this kind of conversation, I've asked this question, how important have your failures been and how important have your successes been in achieving all that you have achieved, which, as I said before, is quite a list. You'd need 10 or 12 business cards just to put it all on there. <laughs> Not all that bad. No, not that much. But um, failure teaches you a lot. Failures teach you a lot. And I learned in my youth a lot about people. I learned a lot about people jumping on your bandwagon if they think you're going somewhere and then they're off it if they think you're not. I think I learned my own, you know, if I messed something up or whatever. And I always look to myself. I never like blame, you know, I look to myself first. What did I do? What did I do wrong? I always look within first. But hopefully the way I, I approach it is that I grow from each failure that I become better for it. I learn from it and I become a better person. With success mm. comes the joy of it. The failures you learn from and then you appreciate the successes when they're there. Mm. Well, I look back on my short little time on the planet. I, I refer to it as less than a puff of smoke. We are here. Right. We're little dots. We mean like we mean nothing in the, in the plan of <laughs> like, like grains of sand that you can, you don't even see separately unless they're in a pile. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I co-host a program called Skyview with a gentleman uh, who uh, uh, has, has been involved in and curious since a child about astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. And those are the subjects, the general subjects that we cover every week. And we talk a lot about the vastness of the universe. And I throw into it with my more metaphysical bent uh, on this program, uh, the concept of judgment and that out in the universe, if you're looking out there, there is no judgment. The universe is just doing what it's doing. And then if you say we're to look through, a, I don't know, electron microscope, something that can see subatomic particles, maybe. Well, they're also doing just what they do. There's no judgment there. But then when you come to our level here on this plane, oh, there's judgment aplenty. And I'm, I'm trying to put it in the context of I need to learn from the macro and the microcosmic worlds not to have judgment on these experiences to learn from them to live with them and grow because having judgment you're it's like wasted energy in in emotion because that's what we do we generate emotion when we judge it's true it's a that's a big lesson you try not to judge sometimes you can't help it it like but that's like a step backwards yeah. <laughs> It's one of the steps backwards. It's very hard. It's like, you know, to accept a situation and learn from it. Yeah. Good, bad, or indifferent. Try to learn from it. Mm. Don't let it stop you from loving or taking a chance or mm. just being you, the real you. 
the truthful you. I want to ask, because I've only done this minimally, uh, being up on stage um, only a couple of times. Uh, the last time I was in a part where I was singing this the song in reference to the uh, uh, Christmas in the Trenches, World War One. You're familiar, I'm sure. And I was so into being in that space during World War One that, and I'm singing the words from that song. I am starting to cry, which is not good when you're trying to sing. But you know, and and I then make the person that I'm singing to also start to emote. Is there a particular experience that you have had where you were so immersed, kind of like being in one of those past lives that you forgot maybe that you were on camera or on stage or what have you? I don't know that I've had that, that is coming from a past life, but I have had emotion where I have cried um, mm. a sadness can come across or I might have just lost a dear friend and you know the show must go on and again that's where even a, a, your version of the song can be very different because of where you're at at the moment and I um, I don't hold that back mm. I think it has to be expressed do you ever yeah. find it strange when people are sharing and they get emotional and they apologize. And I look at that going, what? Did you apologize when you were laughing a little while ago? I don't think so. Don't apologize when you cry. It's okay. It's part of who we are. Yeah, it's true. It is. Yeah. I don't know why that, 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 that maybe people set a judgment on that or whatever. You know, it comes back to your, your judgment question. But um, yeah. People need to release. Emotions are part of, of our living being. Just like the physical, whether you work out, whether you're this, everything reacts on who you are as a human being. And um, I would say, you know, let it, let it go. Yeah. Go, let God. Let go, let God. I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. We're talking with uh, Rosalind. Uh, Rosalind Kind, the the piece of music that we are gonna, featuring in this particular program, actually several pieces that we're going to uh, share with you, but in particular because it's one of the main reasons why she's with us here today is the look of is look of love, and look. it is the look of love. Yeah, I, that's how I address it. Yeah, no, I don't know why. It's funny. Lots of typos in this uh, in this press release here. But anyway, you know, sometimes it says the in small letters. Look up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's uh, then there's uh, the island, and it's uh, you can you can catch uh, both the audio, uh, the video. I should say you can catch see the videos up on YouTube, and uh, you'll also see it in the context of uh, the program that we have just. Uh, uh, conducted here a conversation that we've just conducted here with uh, with uh, Rosalind King, uh, the Look of Love and the Islands. We'll have that uh, for mine, you as well. <laughs> I'm sorry. Say again. You said King. It's mine. kind. Well, I, I should say Queen. No, not uh, not uh, not uh, <laughs> Rosalind. <laughs> kind. Rosalind. Kind. Oh my heavens! Uh, it's uh, it's 
uh, by the way, the other the other thing that I find interesting too, and I don't know if you've ever had this. I I would hope that you, and I think Barbara did, uh, have the experience of being interviewed by Larry King. I didn't have it, but my sister did. I listened to him in the eighties when I was working for a news talk station in Phoenix. Uh, I was working those overnights and weekends. And I went to what I like to call the Larry King school of broadcast. And one of the lessons I learned from him was that he didn't prepare. He had enough information to do the interview, but back then he was taking phone calls and he wanted to be as fresh as the callers were. They didn't know who the guest was necessarily, unless it was you know a big star or something. And I found that fascinating. And he never seemed to get flustered by whoever he had. Um, I think my wife said it best because she was born and raised here in Santa Barbara, grew up around people like Jonathan Winters and so forth. And she says, just remember, they, men and women, because they do, they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you. Mm -hmm. So don't. And I've never gone gaga over people. No. I'm impressed with and I show mm -hmm. due respect. But hey, you Rosalind, Mike, you, you have a career. You've done some things that obviously I haven't done, but then again, I've done some things you haven't done. I haven't done. Exactly. But we're both here bringing those pieces together to hopefully, as we've said before in the program, make this world a better place. I have three final questions that I would like to ask you that I ask all of my guests. Um, but I want to thank you for your music uh, that we're listening to throughout this program, as well as for being a part of tell me your story and sharing your story with us, uh, helping to make this world a better place. Uh, before I do that though, I want to thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. Don't make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Wednesdays at 9 a.m. and then Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. And uh, we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. We hope you'll subscribe as well as select or click on the notification button. So that when a new conversation is placed in these uh, locations, that you'll be notified and you'll be able to listen in. We ask, too, that if you can support us financially, we would be ever so grateful. Uh, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And my email address for you to put in where you're going to be sending uh, your uh, support is richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. Hey, we'll take energetic support, please. We'll just send it our way. We will put it to good use. I promise you. And then we also ask that you spend time going within and listening to that still small voice during this, the decade of perfect vision. With all that being said, we now move to our final three questions. And again, I thank you so much, Rosalind, for joining us here on the program. And again, it is Rosalind kind. <laughs> <laughs> Rosalind kind. Maybe you were a king in a previous life. That's where that comes from, I guess. <laughs> the question, the first of the three <laughs> is, who is Rosalind King? Kind. <laughs> <laughs> who is Rosalind Kind? Oh, goodness. Rosalind Kind is uh, a woman who 
who has had trials and tribulations in her life, many journeys up and down, and came to the place of, of um, universal love and wanting to spread it. What gets you up in the morning? Um, what gets me up? The smell of coffee? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the simple one, right? <laughs> Hey, sometimes it is the simple things. And finally, maybe you'll get this movie reference. What was your best day? My best day. Um, my best day. Wow, that's a hard one. My best day. <laughs> Is it have to be uh, my whole life, all the years, or can it be just a second? <laughs> what, what, whatever comes to mind, whatever your intuition yes. brings forward. Oh my goodness, I'm thinking too hard on it. I'm not letting it ring just ring out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, right now I'm going to say the day that I decided to do this recent video. Mm. And folks, that recent video is uh, The Look of Love and The Island. And we certainly hope that, uh, folks, you will uh, uh, make it a point to... Uh, th then this these two songs are also part of an album, if you will. It will that, be, yes. If that's, the right, if that's the right term these days. I, I've never been able to... We don't use albums anymore. Everything's I know. Cool. I still have albums and a turntable, <laughs> but we don't use that term anymore. <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's well, Rosalind, again, I, I can't thank you enough for the time. I really do appreciate it. And um, my pleasure. Thank you, Richard. I, I would, I would offer um, success in your career, but I don't have to because you already are extremely successful. And I hope that that continues for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And the best and of everything to you too. And thank you. Happiness, good health, you know, and fulfillment mm. to you and your family. I will take that. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And until our next broadcast, podcast, video cast, love to lol. Jeanette, I am still listening. Dad, continue to be happy because I am. To my friend Smokey. Hey, I'll see you on the other side. And to my dear friend Zorro, aho, aho.